Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates for our number two. So glad you're with us across the OutKick network. Plenty to discuss on OutKick 360 as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, shout out to our great staff and crew with OutKick for making it happen today. Uh, going to hit a, a number of topics. Dan Dockich is going to join us in 20 minutes live from Indianapolis. Looking forward to that chat. Uh, Don't at me is where you can find him each morning on the OutKick Network. Uh, he'll be with us uh, as he is each and every Wednesday at 3.20 Central, 4.20 Eastern. Uh, and then later in the show, we get back into the NFL matchups for the Wild Card Weekend. Hey, Hutton, quick follow-up to primary complaint and Reed's complaint because I just thought the timing of this was, was great. Um, we talked briefly about this yesterday, this uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air dramatic edition that's coming out, and I saw the trailer for it also. And it got me to thinking about, uh, and I'm sure this is done elsewhere, but I haven't heard it phrased this way, of us in the football offseason just doing a segment of who asked for this. We used to do something called Check It Out. This is like the opposite I like of it. Check It Out, who asked where for we this? come across something that we see that's being produced on TV, a movie, a web series, a website, a story, a documentary, anything that just begs the question of who asked for this because a dramatic reboot of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air screams to me of NBC Universal and Peacock just scouring their intellectual property of all time and thinking, okay, what can we recreate? <laughs> and this is what popped out. Oh, we have the rights to the, the Fresh Prince catalog. Let's make it now into a drama, which is just odd to me. But anyway, well, forgive me, forgive well, me for jumping that. to this conclusion, but is it uh, is Will Smith doing it so his kids will be back on TV? Yeah. No, I don't think his kids. No, are none ready. of his kids are. It looks really well Done. written and acted. It's it came what you from want. there was a fan a couple years ago who made a mock up of Fresh Prince as a drama, and Will Smith saw it. And he's actually working oh. with the guy to make this a reality. But like again, it's. Let me have something of my childhood I, I can just look think, back fondly on and not... I mean, well, I think you make a good argument against it. My argument against it is let's force people to write new original mm -hmm. stuff. There's a lot of good new original stuff on HBO and Netflix and all of that. Give me more of that but and even fewer that, reboots I mean, and sequels. How much of that, though, is not just an adaptation of a book or a well, British that's fine. series? An adaptation or, of a book is fine if it's a new book. A reboot of, a, of another series. I mean, there's a lot there's of examples too much, of that. Too Re much. Reboots too clearly much. make money. Yeah. They do. And here, but there's here's, a Spider-Man movie every two every, years. Yes. Yeah, constant. Here's what I like about I don't like the flat-out reboot of an old 80s sitcom or whatever. I like continuations Carry it forward. of things where when you were a kid, you were into it, and then you advance the story to where you could be into it as an adult and your kids could be into it also. The perfect example for me is Cobra Kai, which just finished season four on Netflix, which is not just Karate Kid done again, like we saw in China with Will Smith's son starring as Karate Kid. It's an actual continuation 40 years later with the same characters grown up 
and now all this stuff is happening. Well, I'm with you and on it's that. goofy at times, but it's it's self-aware. The show is self-aware enough to know that it's kind of goofy, and it's great for that reason. I want to see more of that. I'm with you on that, because how many times are we going to do the Batman origin story movie? That's been done. Right. Yeah. So do other things do with again. Batman. But you got you to take... do it again. Oh, I know. It's coming. It's you one have on the to pipeline, take I'm comic sure. book stuff even out of it. Like, you... Let's not even discuss it, because it's all going to be repurposed yes. and redone over and over and over again. Have you heard the, uh, the latest conspiracy theory uh, while we're on this topic of reboots in film? Um, cinema. Uh, cinema. <laughs> I think Chad will find this funny, because we, we did an interview uh, I, at the I Super Bowl. I love this stuff. Um, people are now claiming that the Top Gun movie is doesn't exist <laughs> we've been talking about this for That's three years funny. this will ruin chad's life yeah. if this that is, would be the ultimate it's troll empty reel. if there's it's a, coming there's out it's a this fake summer. trailer there's they just shot reels. a trailer there's if it's coming reels, out this summer in it's coming out memorial day uh, weekend don't they have to i mean it's gonna get pushed back they have a like. super bowl ad if if and you would think if they don't they're gonna start rolling out previews again because they were doing that then the, uh, there was the debut of the new top gun uh, trailer the teaser trailer every it's like a star wars trailer everyone tuned in to see it and everyone was uh, twitter lit up social media was lighting up over the nostalgia of it like that is the greatest thing in the oh, history yeah. of cinema can't wait to take and my now son. the talk is like it's been okay guys like you're looking at your watch going it's two and, you and know, a half years stadiums are full now we're back in theaters it, it it's time does it exist or not that's the conspiracy theory is that they're tweaking it or something Something, Something happened is with it. very off. Someone with it. let the, fil- the 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 master on fire. Well, it's but either that or it's just really terrible. Like I I feel like there's someone seeing. It's like guys, we this is swinging like, a mess. But it doesn't matter. We need to do it's something. Like it doesn't matter. If it's terrible. It's going to be make the money. most make a lot of money movie of the year when it, they release it. It's also a huge year for Tom Cruise because he has Top Gun Maverick coming out right now. Fingers crossed. Memorial Day weekend. In May, then he's got two months later, Mission Impossible 7 hitting movie theaters. <laughs> wow. So that's a big summer for Tom Cruise blockbusters. I, that's a fascinating conspiracy What if this is like it. Heaven's Gate and Jiggly, Giggly combined? Geely. Geely. Geely, whatever it was, combined. You sound like me trying to pronounce Philomena <laughs> to Dennis Leary. <laughs> I, I, I'm Philomena? not saying I, I don't buy in that conspiracy theory. I'm fascinated by why it's taking This so is one here. that's worth discussing a little bit as opposed to yeah, it doesn't even, I mean, I'm going to be the in theaters to watch the, it no matter what. I don't preview, care what the reviews are. But it's been so long, the preview of the movie that I went and Stale. looked on YouTube doesn't even pop up in my algorithms anymore. Like, it's no longer feeding me Top Gun it's information because it's so old. Um Nonetheless, uh, maybe something pops out tonight. If it gets it. pushed back again, then uh, there's this you, fuel to the fire. I know. Well, so here's uh, Chad, another, Chad's going to go on an investigative. Uh, well, I just, I just looked now. Top Gun Two trailers. What I searched and what pops up is Top Gun One. Top trailers. Gun Two Maverick eight minute trailer. So one the entire ago. film is there. <laughs> you can watch it right all now. It's a short. All it's eight a minutes short. they shot right here on YouTube. <laughs> And then they have the two years ago, the Top Gun Maverick official trailer that was the Super Bowl at that point, I think. Two years ago. I know, yeah. Or I guess it was the end of, yeah, whatever. Maybe the end of the 2019 season? Yes. Yes. Gosh. We've been talking about this movie for that long. Yeah, the last Super Bowl we attended. Yeah, I think we should stop talking about it until we get more. You know what we're going to do, though, during the next commercial break is watch this trailer. (laughs) All eight minutes of it. Because I've got it now. We'll We'll watch the extended eight-minute version of it. That's two breaks. But here's where, to wrap this up, here is where I think all of this can be successful. Uh, instead of rebooting something in a, it, that's a, just a shot-by-shot remake of it, is extending the universe of things. All right, we saw it with Better Call Saul. 
Yes. Perfect example Prequel. of extending the universe. Prequel, side story, take a great character like Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad and make a series around Saul Goodman. And it's and as it good as worked. the other series. The writer's the same. The creator's the same. It's a great storyline. It, it's a great show. Another example, you, you talked about Spider-Man Hutton and all the Batman reboots. Well, HBO Max and the parent company, whoever bought HBO Max, now owns the Batman rights. So instead of doing another Batman, which they're doing right now in movie theaters, they're creating a show on HBO that's about the Gotham City Police Department. That has nothing to do with Batman. Right, he's a side It is character. a prequel that's going to follow detectives in Gotham City and Commissioner Gordon starting out in the police force. So is it, That's is it, interesting to me. Like, that's at true, least different. Does it fit the, the actual storyline of they can't catch anyone, so they need Batman to do it for them? I think, you never see Batman in the show? I think this is a, uh, this is a, a world... Struggling police department where, waiting on a hero. Yeah, yeah, this is a world where uh, Thomas Wayne exists, but Bruce Wayne doesn't that, exist to a pre Batman. What was the sort show? of like the Joker with Walking well, Phoenix, what was where the show? young Bruce Wayne pops NBC up. NBC had a show. Was it called Gotham? Yeah. Mm. That was a pretty good concept. It was it a, was good a concept, decent show. I, I petered out for me, but it was a good concept about uh, him as a kid. But this this show is very clear that it's going to follow stories in the Gotham Police Department, and it's not a Batman show. I like now, that. eventually, it's going to lead to Batman, right. obviously, the on end, the show. But for, anyway. year, for years, there's been rumored there is a uh, script out there for a second Goonies film that I've been waiting to see my entire life since I saw the first one, but instead I get a all-female Ghostbusters instead. Thank you for that. Well, this newest Ghostbusters thing is supposed to be... I've read good things about it. The kids? Yeah. Well, every time I see a Goonies 2 story, I've seen the same thing Reed has, it all centers around, will Josh Brolin do it or not? That like he signed up for one script he saw, but not a second one, and he wants a certain director and won't work with another director, and that Josh Brolin being in it, since he was... A high school kid in the original one is a big part of the story. Well, I've been waiting on the new Fletch forever and checking on the Fletch, you know, because they're 15 John Fletch starring books. Fletch, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, you could have made Fletch's like you made Bonds, like comedic series with one every two years. I thought they were phenomenal. I love the books. You can chime in on the discussion, Outkick360 on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. Um, we also, as a nation, did not watch much of the college football championship game between Alabama and Georgia. Chad mentioned this on Monday as we went off the air that this was going to dip in the ratings because of the rematch aspect and uh, the malaise over the rematch of specifically the SEC. And Regional, now, for sure. Now people are jumping to the, the oh, the, the college football is, is really dying here. Um, that storyline, you know, college football is in trouble storyline uh, with the second lowest rating since 2005. I think people should have tuned in to watch uh, uh, the king be slayed. I mean, I think that makes it compelling wherever you are. If you like college football, watching well, Alabama lose is good TV. Yeah, but we've me. seen it. I mean, it, it, I, I think that's an interesting storyline. I mean, we've seen Clemson slay the king. Yeah, so. but it's not that frequent. For, oh, for sure. I mean, it's just, but you got... This isn't David versus Goliath. It's Goliath beating Goliath. That's fine. They, I mean, they when, haven't done it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's intriguing for some. I mean, look, a lot of people watched. 22 million people watched. It that's, was that's up sufficient. 20% from that's, the COVID season last year. But also... The, it's also the lowest number since 2005, the end of the 2004 season, where USC blew out, Texas, or USC blew out Oklahoma. 
in a national championship game. What year was that? That was 2000. It was 2005, but the 2004 season. Lowest number since then? Lowest number. The lowest non-COVID season number, because last year was lower. That's a little surprising. The, the number can be low, and interest can still be high. Both things can be true, because out, we mentioned this earlier. Outside of the 75 NFL games that rated in the top 100, there were seven others in the top 100 that were college football. No other sports represented. The NBA, sure. nowhere there. to be seen. I and, mean, and again, that's any broadcast. We, that can be a game seven, like anything. It's uh, Major League Baseball, Major League too, Baseball right? World Series. It's for 2021. Unquestionably. And, and it, that, that football accounts for 82% of the 100 highest rated games, programs, TV shows on television. Now, What's also true is more and more people are going away from linear and they're focusing on other ways to watch uh, shows and programs. That's all fair too. Um, you know, but for those that, that want to use that argument, I would say, well, why did everyone all of a sudden tune into Oprah specials, which are in the top 100, and not stream those like they're streaming the shows on you know, other networks? That's fair. Um, going back to the original point, though, it's also the most viewed cable show this game, which people are saying college football is not, it's the most viewed cable shows since 2019. And we spent a year locked up in our homes. Yeah. So for all of those pointing to college football is dipping, I would say, where are these headlines on the NBA, on college basketball, where are, they're not even represented here? Well, they've already, I think everybody's already accepted that. I mean, and, I, and, I, I think, and by the way, real quick, the Monday night broadcast will be in the top 100 most viewed shows of the country Next year, and when this re- when this list is released, it I will think, count as one of the top 100. I think it's pure and simple that it's drawing from one region instead of two. And if it had been a Big Ten team against a Southeastern team, you draw from two regions. Yeah. If it was two Big Ten teams, it would have been down. If it was two Pac-12 teams, it would have been down. Well, here's, so that's a big factor in it right there. You're this, drawing all Southeastern Conference Fans I don't think you're drawing. Uh, you don't get 22 million just by getting the southeast. No, People I'm across saying, the country though, watch in that sure. element helps, of the right. diehard. If it's USC, if it's Oklahoma, even right. which is anything south, southwest, anything. Different. If it's Ohio State, if it's Michigan, that's going to help. I also going back to my primary complaint: Jim Phillips and Kevin Warren of the ACC and the Big Ten. They of all the things that I've laid out that I worry about the future of college football. I really do because it's my favorite sport. There are things that's going to hurt the sport now and in the long run especially. These two guys, if they don't get with it and expand a playoff, Greg Sankey is telling them what's going to happen. We will continue to dominate this thing. You can either allow for at-large and risk having, oh, a third SEC team make the eight-team playoff or whatever it may be, or continue to go down this road of two SEC teams making it annually, the possibility of an all-SEC national championship – because the SEC is not just better in football than these other conferences. This goes back to Mike Slive. This goes back to Roy Kramer before that. They're better at business. They're better at drafting television contracts. They're better at attracting sponsors. They're better at everything than these other conferences that are supposedly consisting of smarter schools. So if you are Kevin Warren, be smart. Tout Northwestern and tout your APR rating and everything else. Be smarter than Greg Sankey because no one is outfoxing SEC commissioners. And this is my big fear with all this, guys. College football in 30 years, if they continue to go this route, it's still going to be all-powerful in the SEC. 
It's still going to be dominated by the SEC, but you are going to make this thing lacrosse in the Northeast because the rest of the country will tune out if you're not Ohio State or you're not Oklahoma, who, by the way, is joining the SEC, or you're not someone else who is competently managed and have a great coach and a great fan base where everyone is in it together and cares. That's why expansion is also important. It gets more teams and more regions of the country involved in the race for a championship, and in doing so gets televisions on in those areas, gets fan bases and alumni bases engaged more. That is why it's important for Jim Phillips and Kevin Warren to get off their ass and do the right thing. Really good what you're saying there, and we were just talking about how college football college basketball in relative short order has kind of disappeared off the menu and football is king. Well, in that we were talking about NFL football is really king and that draft link is always going to be important, but just be conscious, get smart people and make sure you don't lose your foothold as number two, because there is a scenario where it turns into just number one, at least in parts of the country. Well, here's what should make every other uh, conference fan base angry is that what I'm talking about happening is exactly what the SEC did in basketball three years ago. They were terrible. They had two or three teams getting into the tournament, and this is probably about four years ago now, and they had an edict to start taking men's basketball seriously. And they paid big money and brought in great coaches. They spent money on resources. And guess what? Tennessee has – or Tennessee. The SEC has more teams – in the top 25 now than any other conference, Tennessee being one of them. But that's what it takes. I mean, you've got to get serious about it, and to get serious about it, you've got to be good business people. And I, I think too often people get their feelings hurt and they don't do what they should for the good of their conference. And I, I think ACC with Jim Phillips and Big Ten with Kevin Warren right now are two prime examples. Follow the leaders. You can't at Dad Dockich, but you can hear him next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on from the palatial studios at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. PK is back with us. Ellie Sylvia, our great production assistant, back with us. And as always, Jacob Swanson, Jonathan Moulton, and David Reed, the chairman of the board. Dan Dockich, you can hear him each and watch him each and every morning across the Outkick Network. 8 to 10 o'clock Central, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern, streaming live right here, however you're watching us on the video stream. And he joins us weekly as well on Wednesdays. Dan, hope you're doing well. Yeah, having a great week. Pitching about the Colts, it's all good, man. All day, (laughs) every day. Colts stink. Can't stand them. Can't wait to watch Hard Knocks tonight and hear Frank Reich tell us how we're climbing a mountain and and, uh, (laughs) – Uh, the Joel Osteen of NFL football, uh, Chris Ballard, uh, you know, talking his little voice and all the media love Ballard and bah. Daniel, bah. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Uh, I, you've been on Reich and Ballard from the start. I'll give you that. Two weeks ago, you said the Colts were going to the Super Bowl. So yeah. where, where is your defense of this? I know you're, you're bemoaning all of the Colts press. But two weeks ago, you were a member of the Colts press in terms of your optimism about the Colts. Yeah, like I say, I only react to what they give me, right? I mean, I've said forever, this is a house of cards. I've said forever, 
that the media national more than actually as much as local infatuation with Chris Bryant was a fraud. I mean, he's or Chris uh, Ballard. But hey, look, I'm watching them play and I'm like, screw it. Maybe they're actually pretty good. Uh, it's a week by week league. And I've never bought into this administration except for a weak moment a few weeks ago uh, <laughs> where I thought, you know what? They're beating the hell out of teams. They went into Buffalo. They played pretty well. Uh, even Wright couldn't screw that one up. He tra- he did screw up the Tampa Bay game, but they bounced back. And when they went out and beat the Cardinals, I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe this is real this year. And then I saw it. I saw hard knocks two weeks. <laughs> it was actually after you and I spoke. And I – came on the air, and I said, Colts got two problems, and it was before the Raiders game. Number one, Carson Wentz talks too much about himself. I mean, when Jonathan Taylor says, hey, I already know, as Carson Wentz started talking about himself, when a player says, I already know to interrupt somebody, that means they don't want to hear any more of your BS. And the second one, I'm like, man, Darius Leonard, these dudes aren't in on him at all. He's become something that, you know what, is rubbing everybody the wrong way. I said it before the Oakland game. However, I still thought they'd get in the playoffs. I mean, what the hell? They're 98% they're playing at home. They turned out to be a gigantic fraud. Uh, The GM, the uh, coach, I've said they're frauds from the get-go. Turns out I'm right and I don't want to be. How do they go forward with the anchor that is Carson Wentz and the money attached to that anchor? Well, I think, you know, you got a $25 million cap. Here's my thing, uh, Paul. Jim Ursay came out and said there's going to be changes. But you guys have been around this. What changes can you really make? You're going to fire the coach? You're going to fire the GM? Uh, You're going to get rid of the quarterback? Let's say you are. Who are you going to get? I mean, let's be honest right now. What you going to – I propose, look, and I don't think you can do it. Russell Wilson would have to agree. I'd get rid of Leonard. I'd get rid of Nelson. And I'd try to go get Russell Wilson to get off this thing. But you, what are you going to really do realistically? You know, you can say changes are coming. You can say we're going to do all this. But I looked at the free agents, Paul. Nobody there you want, unless it's Ben Roethlisberger. But that had have been about five years or ten years ago. You're going to make a trade? Who's going to give up a top-tier quarterback? I just – I think this, I think if Frank Reich, who has been billed as the quarterback whisperer, if Frank Reich is truly the quarterback whisperer, then you can't bail on this project given the money that you've put into it in one year. You just can't do it. So one of the things we do in Indianapolis, Paul, we eat tenderloins, we eat shrimp sauce, and we talk, man. We, our, our, we, and Indiana University basketball for the last 20 years since night's been gone. All it's been is talk. The Pacers talk. Jimmy Ursay talks. We eat tenderloins. We smoke. We drive in the left lane. We eat shrimp sauce. And we freaking talk. Dan Dockich with us to talk on OutKick 360. Dan, help me with the Darius Leonard point of view here. Because he's one of the reasons I actually bought into the Colts. Uh, whenever I'd be on Don't At Me, I, I, I don't buy Wentz. I'm with you on Frank Reich's play calling at times. But Darius Leonard was going to help them become a team that you didn't want to face in the postseason. He's he's giving the football back to the offense. He forces fumbles, and he then recovers those fumbles. So, uh, to me, he's one of the alphas 
on the roster. He's not a problem. What's going on behind the scenes? Well, behind the scenes, he's just wore everybody out. He talks openly that he should be a defensive player of the year. Best team I ever saw was the 85 Bears. They had all kind of Hall of Famers. I never saw any of them talking about, I need to be in the conversation of the defensive player of the year. And you watch Hard Knocks. I don't watch what people say. I watch people's reaction to what is said. He tried to gather everybody on the bench the other day. Nobody got up because they're tired of it. He just wears you out with his own nonsense. Now, he makes a lot of plays, but the smartest defensive person that I know is a man named Rick Venturi, defensive coordinator in the NFL for 100 years. Uh, worked with Belichick, worked with Saban, worked with all these guys. And he's like, that dude is like the high school kid that makes 20 tackles, but the team's defense stinks because he's always out of position and he can't be in the right spot and he won't do what he doesn't want to do. Uh, interesting, they blitzed him late in the game, and if you watch it, he made no effort to go and get the quarterback. He basically stopped, and what I was told was he was kind of sulking because if he blitzes and he gets blocked, then he can't do what he likes to do, which is get an interception or get a uh, steal. He's not the problem. Cole's got 99 problems, and he ain't one. But when you look at what going into the Oakland game and going into uh, the game the other day against Jacksonville – you could clearly see that his teammates had gotten tired of him and Carson Wentz. Now, there's no excuse for losing to Jacksonville. The most amazing thing about this whole deal is like the dumbass Chicago Bears team I rooted for when I was growing up. They're interviewing guys from uh, the Colts. They're interviewing the defensive coordinator. They're interviewing two guys on the staff to be general managers. How stupid are the Bears? <laughs> 42 and 42 in five years. And the media loves this guy, Ballard. He's the Joel Osteen of college hoops, our, our professional football. It's beautiful to watch. Tomorrow, he's having a press conference. Here's what Ballard does. Ballard has what we call Camp Ballard. He invites in the offseason all these media guys to come out to 56th Street. Gives them nachos, Diet Cokes, and talks about the greatness of their draft choices. So it shows them video of Quiddy frickin' Pay. Would you rather have Quiddy Pay or the guy that you got, Autry? I think we all know the answer to that. Drives me bat blank crazy. Dan, you're watching Raiders Chargers Sunday night, I'm sure, like the rest of us. Do you believe that Rich Bisaccio was actually going to play for a tie if the timeout yes. didn't happen? Would you have gone that route... Would you have been okay? I saw Aaron Rodgers comment on this saying there's no way he could ever play for a tie. You've got to go for a win in overtime in that situation. How would you have played it as a coach? Well, the easiest thing to say is I would never play for a tie, right? I mean, that's the easiest thing to say. You can always say that, and it makes everybody go, yeah. That, but the truth of the matter is you owe it to your players to get into the playoffs, period. That's what you owe. You, As a coach, Bear Bryant said it best. I fret all game day so I don't screw the game up for my players, and I felt that way as a coach. Um, you owe it to them to get into the playoffs. And if I'm Versace, then fine. I think he was going to run a play. If the play would have worked like it did with Josh Jacobs, then go ahead and kick it. But he wasn't going to pass the ball. I don't think he was going to take a knee, but I don't think he was actually all that shot in the ass with going out and scoring. He would have taken a tie. You owe your team that. And I got to tell you, Staley, the coach of the Chargers, I feel bad for him because I swear to you, there's nothing worse in the world. It doesn't matter how the media portrays you. It doesn't matter 
uh, how your neighbors portray you. It matters how you look at yourself and how you look at the players looking back at you. And I think all those players understood, hey, he may have, he was going to play for a tie, but the truth of the matter is all they had to do is tackle Josh Jacobs, execute at the line of scrimmage, and they'd have got their tie. But that's a bad feeling, man. That's the worst feeling there is as a coach. Don't at me with Dan Dockich each uh, morning right here on the Outkick Network. Dan, uh, national championship right there in your backyard this week. You were down in Tuscaloosa with us for Outkick the Tailgate. Uh, you, you have ties to Bama. Uh, give us some good stories about what you did that day uh, on Monday. And uh, I, I, I heard that Alabama fans were starting fights across the city of Indy. Oh, man. Like Sunday night, my wife and I took my, my stepdaughter and her, her college teammates from Harvard downtown. So we go in, right? Everybody's having a good time. We go around. Bama fans are great. Freaking Georgia fans are great. We go to the yard house. We have a beer. I broke my January uh, pledge of not drinking, but screw it. There's a national championship here, right? Screw that. The next day, there's a four-hour wait at this place, uh, the yard house. Bama fans, Georgia fans, people everywhere, but my spies were out. Three softball players from uh, – from uh, Harvard, they were out late, and they're like, hey, Dan, these Bama fans were great before the game, but after the game, holy hell, all they wanted to do at the Tin Roof and all these other places was throw hands. They said, we turn around, <laughs> a Bama fan shoving somebody, some girl walking in the bathroom, she got hit in the eye, she was a Georgia fan. Bama fans, I love you, you're my peeps. But damn, why are we brawling in the streets of Indy? I mean, seriously. Have you not had enough national championships? I mean, come on. Are you really that upset if you're a Bama fan? Like they haven't had success. Like it's a hell of a year, right? Now, I will say this. um, We we went out, like I said, Sunday night. And then after my show, we do it from downtown. So we hung out for three or four hours after. And I got to tell you, man, Georgia fans, at least what I saw, outnumbered Bama fans by a ton and Georgia fans and Bama fans were awesome, but you get a little fire water. You get a little something going, man. A little cocktail you know, sauce. Woo! A little St. Elmo's cocktail sauce. Going. Yeah. Shrimp sauce. Like yeah. I said. Oh, the cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> they but fire up. She's like, Hey Dan, they're like, Dan, girls are throwing hands. Guys are throwing, everybody's throwing hands. Who's your, uh, who's your NFL, uh, upset pick who do, who do you like of teams that are not expected to win this coming weekend oh, man i is it bad if i say the patriots no that's i don't that's fine i don't i don't think i would love to see the patriots win this because i think we would all i mean you guys are in tennessee right you want the titans to win i get all that but i think a lot of people would love to see belichick brady I don't think the Patriots are quite good enough, but I do think this. Uh, I do think that every team that plays the Patriots now, maybe a year later, there is a little bit of angst in playing the Patriots. You know, I think Buffalo's really good, but I also I remember when they absolutely quit uh, against the Colts. So I'm not saying they're going to do it, but if there's a game that I'm kind of rooting for it to happen, it's the Patriots. I also have a friend, Teddy Karras, his son, uh, is a starting lineman. So I root like them. I think the line is four and a half, so I don't know that that'd be a huge upset. But I know this, a lot of people at the beginning of the year felt like it was going to be a Tampa Bay or maybe Green Bay 
uh, against Buffalo kind of a deal. So I, I, I'm rooting for the Patriots. I think that that would set up well for the Titans, actually. Uh, Pittsburgh's not winning, so that would bring New England here. Titans already lost to New England this year. Vrabel otherwise has had great success against New England. Mac Jones would be, I think, the worst quarterback left. Um, Titans could could do some damage against them, I would think, in a rematch having lost to them. And he's not nervous about Belichick like virtually every other coach in the league is. I think it would be a good second-round matchup. I think that's important. Like, you know, people want to say, I guess, that Ben Roethlisberger, you know, winning a game. I don't – I just watch that team and I – They're not winning. There are very few guys – I think you guys might agree with this. I'm not really old enough to remember Willie Mays in his prime and then Willie Mays playing center field. But everybody points to that, right? They say, hey, you don't want to be Willie Mays playing, you know, for the Mets when he's way too old. I don't remember that. But I do know Roethlisberger. He throws the ball high. He looks stiff to me. I don't see – uh, them winning and frankly this is something that's stuck in my uh you know what the Colts actually interviewed Vrabel to be the head coach they interviewed Vrabel and I got to give it to give Vrabel this when you think about Mike Vrabel and now you think about the Tennessee Titans you think they have an identity I think they're a tough ass team I think Mike Vrabel brings you an identity and I don't think Mike Vrabel or his coaching staff gives a rat's ass whether it's Mike Tomlin, gives a rat's ass whether it's Bill Belichick. They may not win the game, but it is not going to be because the other team has a coach that puts fear into the coaching staff of the Titans. I, I honestly don't. I, I think he's one of the few guys. Like, I'll tell you this. When Indianapolis, when the Colts beat the Patriots, Paul, I swear to God, you would have thought it was for, like, a division title around here. Like, Come on. I mean, I, I get it. I do. There's a great history here. There's uh, one of the best plays, an interception by Marlon, uh, Marlon Jackson to go to the Super Bowl. There's one of the worst plays, the Chuck Pagano fake punt. There's history Manning against Brady. But damn, I swear to you, we thought here at Indy, hey, man, let's go. Uh, I don't think they ever recovered from that. I don't think Vrabel views it that way. I think Vrabel has a bigger view for this particular Titans team. And that's, I don't give a damn who's in the way. We're going to try to get to the Super Bowl here. Dan Dockich, don't at me, uh, every morning on the Outkick Network. Dan, do you still get a chance to talk to Coach Knight at all? No, I wouldn't. uh, Coach Knight and I had a mammoth falling out when I think my last words to him, hey, why don't you go F yourself uh, (laughs) a while back. He was very, very, um, well, he was a jackass, actually, when, um, when I was at ESPN. He was mad that I was doing big 10 games on ESPN and he was doing the big 12. <clears throat> so he would always uh, badmouth me to a bunch of people. Brent Musburger was his partner. He would badmouth me to executives at ESPN and I confronted him on it. And of course he lied about it and all that kind of stuff. So no, I feel bad that he's in poor health. Uh, but no, I wouldn't, I won't go to his funeral. I don't dislike him. I just don't respect him. You know, and you've talked about this. The interest in college basketball seems to back up year after year and get closer to March. I'm watching Baylor, Texas Tech last night. Great game. Texas Tech gets the win on the road. Auburn, Alabama was a terrific game. Great atmosphere. But I watched the game today, and I do sometimes think, because we don't hear from Coach Knight at all, what would be his chief complaint about college basketball today? Either what's going on around the sport, what's going on on the court, what's going on with coaches – what would be Bobby Knight's chief problem with college basketball today? 
That's an interesting question. I'll answer it in two ways. One, on the court, the lack of player movement. You know, one of the things we always did at Indiana, we moved the ball and we moved people. You sacrificed, you screened, you slipped the screen, you screened and popped back, you cut hard, you changed direction. You really don't see that uh, on the court. On the court, you see, uh, you see a lot of ball screen. I mean, if you watch Nebraska, Nebraska is the worst coach team in America offensively because they stand. And so many teams stand against a man-to-man and they try to drive a gap. That used to be solely zone offense. Nobody moves people. Nobody sets screens, real screens. Nobody moves the ball side to side. That would drive Coach Knight absolutely insane. The stuff off the court, um, you know, he was very progressive. I remember going to his office when I was a player. Like, I get painted as someone that didn't want players to be paid, and it's totally false. I went into him. The players kind of elected me as a junior to go in and say, look, Coach, these other schools have far better food than us. These other schools have far better summer jobs than us. And he didn't necessarily say great, but he investigated it, and he changed a lot of the ways that we did things at Indiana because he looked. Cincinnati had union jobs in the summer. Guys were making 30 bucks an hour. We were making like five or eight. So I think he would have been uber, uber, uber aggressive to get the NIL stuff done. I think people – wouldn't understand that. They would think he would hate that. But he did things at Texas Tech um, that were really progressive in that vein. And he always told parents, and this is kind of, it's happening now more. He goes, look, your kid's on scholarship. You need to be smart enough to take the money you save and buy an apartment down here because buying apartments in college towns are going to explode. And actually a couple of did, couple did here. Uh, and they made a blank ton of money. So I think he would have been a lot cooler with the NIL stuff. In fact, I think he would have done – he would have tried to make it his goal to be like, what they say, Texas A&M got $30 million in NIL money for this recruiting class? I honestly think he would have made it his goal to outdo that. However, now however, when you played for him, I could see if you didn't play well, you know what he would do? He would call the guy that's paying you and say, hey, look, cut that guy off until he plays better. I'm telling you, <laughs> that's what he would do. I, he would be far cooler with this stuff than people would imagine. Dan Dockich, uh, our guest. Finally, Dan, just real quick, uh, Jim Irsay's statement. I, I was asking the guys earlier, I, you know, I think of Jim Irsay. If you say, hey, give me a, paint a picture of Jim Irsay. He's at his, you know, major desk. Uh, big desk. He's got a guitar. I don't know if it's the Elvis Presley guitar that he purchased from the Presley estate or if it's the Les Paul 54 Black Beauty that's on his hip, right? But I, I wonder if, you know, he is uh, writing song lyrics to, you know, to these statements that he puts out through the Colts Media Relations Department. Hold, hold on a second. Yeah. My wife, my wife's father collects guitars. So we have one here. Uh, this is a Fender. <laughs> And I don't know what this is worth, but I could see her say, my cult sucks, better get something out in the press, better talk to people, because all we do in Indiana is talk, talk, talk. I can see him doing that. I absolutely can, too. Uh, and Dan, uh, by doing that, uh, you are the man. That's Dan Dockage yeah. hey, Dan, has been our guest. You know what I say to guys I see in Ivy League sweatshirts? Tell me. Yeah, you went to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
they a hey, true story real quick they called me when i was in high school because i filled out an application and my grade point was 4.6 right so the assistant coach at harvard calls me he goes dan can't believe you filled out this application thought you were going to indiana i go no i want an ivy league education man this is a true story he's like great he goes it says here you got a 4.6 I go, I do, but it's on a six-point scale. Six-point scale. Great story. Six-point scale. Nice sweatshirt. Solid but now you got a family member at Harvard, so you paid it That's forward. That's right. It counts. It I counts. Know it. I know it. Uh, the Colts stink, and I've got to go. Don't at me with Dan Dock. It's, it's 10 out of 10 on, on the 10-point scale there, and you can catch Bobby Carpenter uh, and uh, Kayla Canaram uh, from uh, Outkick Bet. She will be on along with Bobby Carpenter tomorrow morning with Don't At Me and Dan Dockich, 9 o'clock Eastern start across the Outkick Network. When we come back, we discuss the approach to uh, coaching searches, general manager searches across the National Football League from ownership on Outkick 360. So, a discussion that I, br- I believe The Athletic brought this up, Paul. You can correct me. But are scouting backgrounds too – are they overrated? So, the ringer, I think. Uh, the ringer. Yeah, you're right. The ringer, excuse me. Are, are, scout- are scouting backgrounds overrated in general manager searches across the National Football League nowadays? And it, it, Outkick 360 rolls on. It's a good discussion because – a lot of the time, it's about how you manage your roster, not necessarily uh, the guy at the very top having the best scouting background. It's about the scouting department he's able to put together. I was surprised by this. Kevin Clark, who wrote this piece, which we can go into in a variety of different ways over the next week, said the data says yes, that uh, being in in uh, Buffalo. Buffalo and uh, some of these other guys – who were cap guys have had better success than hiring the best scouts as GMs, which I was shocked by. And I always would have said you should hire the best scout as your GM. He's saying you should hire not necessarily the best cap guy, but that these cap guys have had better success. Put them in charge as a CEO type, let them hire scouting types underneath them and everything, but that they're better They've got better track records as managerial types overseeing the whole thing. Now, he went further in this story in terms of going outside the box and hiring from non-football backgrounds, uh, hiring you know guys who would bring different organizational ideas to the whole thing, he who could then hire football people. He mentioned Bob Myers, who's a sports agent that the Golden State Warriors hired as their GM. That's the type of outside-the-box thinking – that could work and in the, the Bears, uh, there have been some reports that they're considering Trace Armstrong, who played for the Bears uh, and who's a high-powered agent. You know, so he's got relationships. He knows football. But what would it do for an agent to be inside and operating from, from in there? I'm not saying that's right, but I am saying if you're the Giants and you've hired back-to-back Bob McAdoo, Pat Shermer, and Joe Judge, mm-hmm. don't, don't go about the process the same way. You're going to get the same result. So you might as well try something crazy. Get criticized to hell. You're going to get criticized no matter what. So don't care about getting criticized. 
go look at something completely different and say, we suck at doing it the usual way, where you go and hire the right-hand man of the best team in football who may well just be good because that team had Tom Brady. And try something completely different. Go get the Silicon Valley expert who knows how to run an operation. There have been plenty of scouting background GMs, though, that have had success. Right. And that continue to have success But the hit the rate, generally, the problem for a is, bad team is bad. A lot of times the ownership doesn't know exactly what they're hiring. We'll no. get into more of that and big headlines next on Outkick 360.